All right, so uh, it appears that our long local nightmare is over. Uh, USF has hired uh, head coach Alex Golesh, uh, offensive coordinator from Tennessee, has been hired. It did not appear during the search that he was uh, the initial choice, but uh, I don't know if he's a bad choice necessarily. I think you kind of might have ended up with somebody that has a lot of potential, but there's a ton of risk, I think. So um, there are some good, there's some bad. Let's talk about it real quick, Vito. Uh, real quick, was this a shocker to you? Uh, shocker to me. We started hearing his name a little bit earlier today, but there are a lot of other names being kind of tossed around there. I Yesterday, I wouldn't have even thought this was a possibility. So this, to me, is a giant shocker. What about you, Seth? Well, I saw it. I saw his name get put out last night by John Bryce of Football Scoop, and I uh, retweeted it and said it was an interesting name. And he messaged me that he had interviewed uh, the goal had interviewed, and he thought it was a would be an elite hire. Um, oh, I had Goalish on my initial board, so we'll see. He wasn't obviously one of my top candidates, but. Let's learn a little bit about Alex Gulish here. So here we go. That's what he looks like. You probably didn't know what he looked like. That's what he looks like. So there you go. Excellent. All right, let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, just really quick personal facts. I did this really quick. Uh, he's an offensive coordinator, tight ends coach at Tennessee. He's 38 years old. He's married. He has two kids. Um, so this is what we put on. This is what I put on the hot, our initial hot board, our initial board, right? Um, what were the must haves I thought for the next USF head coach ability to identify, develop and recruit at a lower level, unique schematically and prior head coaching experience preferred. So how close did we get there? So looking at the positives, he's the offensive coordinator of obviously one of the top offenses in the country at Tennessee. Uh, been a recruiting coordinator at low le lower level. So he was a recruiting coordinator at Toledo. He was a recruiting coordinator at Iowa State. So he worked for Matt Campbell, who I think everyone would agree is a pretty good program guy. So I, I think that's kind of interesting that he worked for Matt Campbell in the past. Matt Campbell brought him from Toledo to Iowa State, and then he got on with Hypel for a year at Central Florida, went on with him to Tennessee. Um, in state, so there's the in state and conference experience at UCF. He was, uh, I think, same position OC tight ends coach there, uh, in 20, yeah, 20 for Hypo and then went to Tennessee 21. And he was on our initial hot board, so that's always fun. And this was kind of the position he was in, he was in the co coordinator's position coach spot, uh, had him kind of as the third name there. A couple of guys are guys we'd heard, but. He was he was one of the names. Just you're, if you're talking unique schematically, he's unique schematically. That he runs that that Brile system with those wide splits. You know, I think everyone here is probably pretty familiar with the offense, right? But there are some negatives. Does he call the plays? So some Tennessee places. Uh, I've done a little research today on him. Some uh, some you know Tennessee insider spots call him the play caller, but. I don't know if he is or not, right? Is he? I don't know, right? And no head coach experience. Uh, I think that was something that seemed like you really needed. And then lastly, has anybody seen 
the FX show The Americans. See or uh, uh, Vito, rather. Have you seen The Americans? Uh, I I have not. No. So it's about a uh, uh, it's about like a, a secret uh, Russian Russian assets that come to America and are just like American citizens and they're actually spies. So uh, that's on there for no particular reason, right? Uh, no no guess, reason whatsoever. <laughs> no 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 reason. Interesting show though, but um, it seems like. Uh, Right, it doesn't seem to be a hire. That's it seems pretty split. Just looking at the comments here, um, I, I think. So the one guy I talked to you said they were going offense all the way is what he thought. Um, so he thought Golish was definitely a candidate. So I don't know if they were looking for a guy for the defense. One thing uh, on that, I think you know a lot of people would think the defense is bad. Hire a defensive coach. Defensive performance is a lot more tied to you're recruiting. So teams with like really high star levels have really good defenses. So I, I think um, sometimes that's, I'd rather have a guy that's really good scheme wise on the offensive side of the ball, because he can do more with less or as a defensive guy, you kind of need more players there. Um, so uh, that, so that I don't mind going for an offensive guy, obviously being inexperienced, his assistant hires will be really interesting. Um. That's going to be a big deal. It's not so big difference, I think, between him and Jeff Scott. So, uh, can I add one thing? Uh, Jeff Scott was also hired at age 38, just like something that was caught my eye. Yeah. So, biggest difference between him and Jeff Scott. So, I, I think the biggest difference is, um, right, Golish has been kind of around the block a little bit in terms of he's. He's had to recruit at the MAC. He's been so I, I've seen some people say he's not a recruiter. Um, I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly, but I know he's been a recruiting coordinator at the two his two uh, two previous stops. So I would assume he can do it a little bit, or he's gotten a decent idea how to identify guys. Uh, he was recruiting coordinator at Toledo and um, Iowa State, I believe. So. Other big difference, so I think, but I think that's the biggest difference. Jeff Scott was only uh, kind of exposed to one way to do things, the Clemson way, and we're seeing that Clemson way is not really working out at a lot of different places outside of Clemson, because I think some of the scheme and things are dependent on having superior personnel. So this scheme is not totally dependent on that. Um, you've seen Tennessee's got some good players, but they do a good job of scheming stuff open and, and those wide splits and things like that make you have to do uh, certain things and, and really hurts what the defense can do. I've heard stuff about this guy during the season that he's super sharp guy, really smart, but I don't, there's not, this does not come without risk. Right. So um, I, I think, you know, after the first two hires, that you thought, you know, are the first two names that were on the board, right? The Chadwell, the the Dion's, right? I think those everyone would feel pretty good about if those were the hires. At this point, it's you know, it's kind of you're you're kind of um, there's obviously more risk as you get further down the board, right? I don't I don't think it's just it could end up being, but I don't. He's 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 there are some differences between him and Jeff Scott, but it is kind of right. You you do have to worry about the lack of head coaching experience. That is a worry. Um, we saw that kind of come up and bite Jeff Scott, right? So 
there's a worry there, but he is different in terms of he's a big scheme guy, I think. Um, you know, if he I don't like we said, I don't know if he's calling the plays, but he's installing the offense and doing things like that. He's he's intimately involved in game planning the offense. So, yeah, I mean, Seth, let me ask you, because you uh, just seeing a lot of that and we talk about unique schematically. When yeah. you pointed at Jeff Scott, even when we looked at what the schematic possibilities were, there was never a really, hey, this is the type of offense he runs and this is what it is. Versus if you look at Goalish, there's there's definitely there's definitely a schematic, you know, um, trademark there. Not trademark, but a schematic. Yeah, there, it's, a, it's a real style. And yeah. He knows how to, you know, I think he knows how to recruit to that style. I don't know. Again, like, I'm not real big on his recruiting, but uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I've heard some people act like he's a terrible recruiter, but, uh, you know, Matt Campbell does a really good job identifying players and identifying kids, especially in the state of Florida, that go out there and and, and do really well. Um, so if he works for him, maybe you think maybe he has an eye for that as well but you can never know right this stuff isn't just like transitive it doesn't totally pass but um you know i i think to me this was not my this would not have been my first choice but i you know it seems like they they missed on a couple other guys there's some upside i think but it's real there's there's a lot of risk too so yeah i mean this is i think people are saying it in the chat like this is you don't get to hire. You don't get to fire two head football coaches and hire a third, right? So, um, well, that's my big thing. Where it's like, okay, we're already going to say that it's a failure. Well, we don't know that. And no, when I don't. You've done you good, yeah. When you've done what you consider good process, good result in the hiring, and it hasn't yeah. worked out, this is not necessarily on the good process or what people would say is a good result. But you look at the positives, and there is something there to to glean from it. But it's not necessarily yeah. – Mike Kelly knows that, so it's not that – it's not, well, I'm going to do this. I mean, we looked at some of the names. This came out of nowhere, and even with some of the other names that were floated out there, there wasn't a huge reaction either. Yeah, we threw, we th I threw him on the board initially just because of how unique that scheme is and how I think it's going to get more and more popular. And just it's – it always – it's everywhere that's run, it always seems to be pretty successful. But – you know, Joseph's saying I've said risk a lot, but yeah, this is this is a risky hire. I think when you, if you would have hit on one of the first two names that were talked about, you buy yourself, uh, you buy yourself some goodwill with the fan base. I think there will be they'd be more willing. You know, like a three and seven year with Dion is going over a lot better than a three and seven year with Alex Golish. So, I, I think you buy yourself some goodwill with one of those two big hires with the fans where they'll be more likely to wait and see now, I think. Um, and we'll talk more. We're going to, I think we're going to get together tomorrow for a longer conversation. This is just a real quick talk about it. Um, kind of give some quick facts to the people here uh, just from what we've seen and heard. But, um, you know, I, I think this is definitely one where if you miss it's, you, you know, if you're Michael Kelly, you miss, probably your last chance to hire a football coach. But uh, so I, I think he understands the urgency. Um, I've had, I've seen some people in the coaching circles say that Golesh is like a rising star, really smart guy. Uh, I know there's some other guys out there that wanted this job that didn't even get interviews. So, uh, you know, I've heard some names and things like that, that 
but uh yeah i this is definitely going to be kind of a make or break and that's really it was going to be regardless right even dion had some risk as much as everyone would be excited he's got some risk attached to him as well um just in terms of can you out you can't really out talent people here not yet right um and then chad well I, I thought he was kind of the safest hire in terms of track record but yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, what do you think, Vito? If, if you know, if this hire doesn't work out, you think Michael Kelly's going to be the one making the next hire? I mean, I, I, I'm not one to say who should or shouldn't have a job at that point. But, you know, you generally in, in, in the way these work, you, you get two shots at it. And then at that point, a change possibly gets made. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I'm also one of those guys where it's like, you, you need three years. So any, any coach walking in needs three years. And yeah. if you bring up again, the young up and coming offensive coordinator and this league has generally worked for most programs that did it. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out with Jeff Scott. So you, you, you move on and try to get the next guy, the next man up. I mean, even, even seeing like, you know, you know, we, briefly kind of put out Manny Diaz out there and there was a lot of people not happy about that one either. So, you know, I, I look at like some of the names and I think what ended up happening was every, we got to the point where the, the, that first, when you made the, your, your, your hot board, the first, you know, pay and pray, it seemed like Dion and Chadwell were all the way up there. And then I kind of think that got everybody psyched up to not realize what's the next step. Like what's the next step if those two don't end up coming. Once that ended up happening, I think that's when the 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 panic, the tech, the uh, not text, the tw- uh, the tweet from Monday also kind of getting everybody trying to figure out what the heck was happening. It's just a, a lot of <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of snowballing that ended up occurring. But I mean, there was always the talk like, what if this is a mystery door candidate at this point after the first two are off the board? So this is interesting, and it had moved rather quickly. So who knows how long this has also been behind the wraps because. I mean, tell me, Seth, th- this coaching search seemed like it had a ton more people, random people just saying things on Twitter and, uh, and everyone kind of rolling with it. It just seemed like there was a lot of sources say this or that. And that's not always necessarily the truth. Yeah, I, so it was it was funny, like I, just going through, you know, different places. You know, you saw people's hot boards. This guy wasn't on anybody's, uh, I don't think, um, especially he was, he early. Was your, he was on yours. Oh, that, well, <laughs> my, Lord, my hot, yes, my hot board has no information behind it. My hot board is, hey, I, I kind of like what this guy does schematically. That's really my hot board. Um, so I like what he does schematically. So I'm, I'm a fan. Um, but you know, I it was it's funny. You go, you know, I'm not a reporter, but even I've kind of talked to some people in the background that do report things, and the names I heard from them were totally different than the names I was hearing from other people that were hearing from. So it was a very, I think, bizarre search. The one name that seemed to be consistent was Chadwell. And then that one kind of, you know, that was, and we'll talk about that process. Um, I think there might've been some failings there, but you never know totally uh, without being behind the scenes of kind of what, what was said, what happened, but it certainly seemed like if that was your guy, there are some things so uh, that you could have done differently. But, um, you know, I, I again, just for people that have got in here, I think positives. On the high side, if, if this turns out really well, you've got yourself a really good offensive coach that does stuff unique schematically that's coaching the number one offense in the country. 
right now uh, that's got a lot of excitement behind it. If you've listened to the guy talk, um, I thought his presser after the Georgia game was really interesting where people were kind of like, you know, um, basically like, why would you guys get, you know, beat? What do you need to do different? And he was really – I thought he handled those types of questions really well after after a tough loss. So uh, um, that was interesting. That'd be one to go back and watch a little bit. But you know, on on the negative side, right? You've got a guy that may or may not be calling plays. So play calling is important. Game planning, I think, is a, is an underrated part of this. That people um, people just want to go to the play calling. It's a lot of times by committee. Uh, and a lot of times that comes down to the plan. There's a really good article. I'll share it on him at Tennessee with Hypo talking about how they game plan and how they are so good at calling. Yeah, I've seen it both. I've seen some, I've seen Tennessee people say he is the play caller and I've seen a ton of people say he's not the play caller. So I would probably go with the Tennessee people and say he probably is calling the plays. And this article was really, really good. It was by, um, the SB Nation Tennessee site about how they game plan because you have to really put in a ton of game planning and and scripting and prep because they go so fast, right? So you've got to really be aware of what you like to call in certain situations because if you're not, it really slows you down. So, but I but super important. And I think a couple of people have mentioned it. Like, who's your defensive coordinator? Right, I, I very important. Who who are you bringing in for that? Um, that's going to be a big hire. Are you bringing in a bunch, you know, uh, the assistant coaching, how he fills out the staff will be really interesting. Um, that, that's going to be kind of, I think maybe a bigger, just think I, that might be a bigger barometer for his future success than anything. I think when you look back at this, the first staff Jeff Scott put together, how many of those guys are still on staff in his third year, right? There's a few, but. A lot of those guys are gone, and you lost two or three of them after the first season, right? There was kind of an immediate, okay, this didn't work um, with two or three of the position coaches, right? So you want to nail this first staff because, you know, when you don't, it sets you back. And we saw with the Jeff Scott era, missing on a few guys set you back uh, a few years, right? So, Yeah, I mean, well, especially with the early signing day and now with the transfer portal window, it's every time you have to uh, do a new coach, uh, uh, do a regime change, you miss out almost that that first uh, recruiting class ends up being like a year zero. You miss out on so much time. And uh, now time will tell to see if anybody else now hits the portal with this, if there's uh what how quickly the staff can be assembled and what and what they do and i mean another thing is i know garrett riley was pushed out there today and the one thing that we kind of briefly chat about was you're gonna have another guy who's potentially going to uh go into the playoff and now you have to wait another month so i i know i I, and that's what happened with jeff scott where it's hey you try to do both but you can only do as much as you can so yeah that that's hard and we don't know how close you know garrett riley even you know got or if you know gullish could have hit a home run in his interview and therefore got the job in that way. Yeah, but so I mean, from, from what I heard, Golish interviewed Tuesday, last Tuesday. Hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I've seen, I've seen like, I, I when going looking at the Tennessee sites, it says it lists him as the play caller, not like Tennessee, like the official school, but like the fan, you know, sites and, you know, like 24 seven sites types, those types of places call him the play caller. So, 
as far as I know, he's the play caller, uh, which is good. But yeah, Golish interviewed Tuesday, from what I heard, and then I think uh, Will Turner reported today that um, Riley was going to interview tomorrow, possibly. But I would imagine that <laughs> will not be happening anymore. So, well, and the weird thing is, like, I, I was watching the TCU game. I was like, Gary Riley is going to interview soon, or he's. I was like, he's like, he he's he's got a conference championship going on right now. What is happening? He's got his agent just texting in the background, like, yeah, he's got this. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, he was on. Uh, I mean, I, I I think people have. He's not an un, he's not a total unknown. He might be to some people, um, but he, this is not a total unknown guy. He's uh, he's he's been a name that he was. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he's going to be a finalist at Cincinnati. Um, so yeah, he, he was on Cincinnati's board, and uh, again, he was on your hot board, which I think is still impressive. Looking at how th- that coordinator, <laughs> there was a lot of them together. on there, but I, I, I liked, I did like him. Um, he was, I liked, I liked his scheme. Uh, but the, um, and I think Jerry in here makes a good point. I Tennessee was down pretty bad when Hypo got there and that crew got there. I think they had like 27 guys transfer out or something crazy. Um, so and they kind of turned it around pretty quick, went in seven games that first year, I believe. And then obviously what they did this year, uh, their biggest thing to hit on a quarterback. Well, I think you got two pretty good ones here um, in Bohannon and Byron Brown. So you've kind of got that position, which is really important for them. You've got that one locked up seemingly. So um, but yeah, the defensive side of the ball is obviously a big one. No, I was not. We we thought uh we thought uh we we didn't think Deion Sanders was a real candidate i don't think we i we heard he was out the prior week so uh, it was it was still being reported so you're never for sure because like i said there were names being bandied about all over the place uh and you heard a lot of guys talking about Deion but uh i don't think we ever i think you can go back and look at the house account and nathan um, you know, I don't think we really ever believed he was on campus. There was a 90% chance that did not seem to be something that was real. So, you know, I, I, this is to me, you missed probably on your top two guys. I think they took a swing at Dion and missed early, uh, took a swing at Chadwell, probably thought they might've had him, didn't lock it up. And then you got to pivot. So I don't think this is a terrible pivot, but there is a lot of risk. So I just, I just always want to keep going back to that first list. Dion and Chad while we're on was the pay and pray was the. Yeah, I thought they'd both be P five. I thought they'd both be P five guys. So I thought you'd have to pay a premium to get either one, and it seems like um, it seems seems like that's you know, uh, seems like Colorado paid a premium. He's been announced. So while we've been on here, Dion's been officially announced by Colorado as the head coach, and then. Um, there seems to be thoughts that, you know, uh, Chadwell maybe got 4 million up to even higher. So, yeah, no, this search has been really, <laughs> this search has been interesting. So like, like I said, there's been a lot of source wars here. Some, I have no idea. Like I'm not, I'm not super plugged in. Nathan's the guy that's a lot more plugged in. I'm just coming on mostly to talk about the fit from a coaching perspective, we will get together tomorrow for a longer deep dive. Um, and Nathan can spill a little bit more. Probably he's got a lot more information. There's a lot more connected. I just, 
talk about kind of the coaching side of it. But, uh, you know, Summerall, he's, uh, he's been impressive. He's been super impressive at Troy, but he had no head coaching experience prior to that job. So, you know, it, it it's it's really going to come down to the guy's going to win games or he's not. It's I think he's got some really good qualities. He's also got some risk to him. At the end of the day, he can either do it or he can't. So I, I, this is not, I don't think, the first choice, but it's not a bad pivot. So, and we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more. Any more uh, last questions here uh, before we go? Because we'll do more. I mean, this trick. This guy's got a much. We like Trickett. He's been awesome. This guy's resume is a lot better than Trickett's. So, you know, if you want to hire Trickett based on his resume, then you should love this hire. Any more questions? Tomorrow, I think we'll get together, go live again for a much longer in-depth discussion on the coaching search and the candidate. Uh, I've got some Tennessee All-22 that I just got recently, so maybe I'll get some uh, stuff cut up. Um, so maybe we'll have a little film. I don't know. That's going to be important. And this offense, so where does he go to D.C.? That's going to be a really important hire, not just because he's an offensive guy, but um, – this style of offense requires a certain type of defensive coordinator too. If you're going to go really fast in offense, you have to have a guy that understands that. The interesting part, right? So the one, if you're, if you're looking for positives, look at kind of USC style of defense, right? They're not very good, but since the offense is very good and very high powered, they decide to play a super high variant style of defense. There you go, Hector. That's a good That's a good name right there. They decided to play super high variant style of defense where they're going to go for turnovers. They know they're not very good, so what can they do? They're going to try to turn the other team over as much as they can. Maybe that leads to a lot more missed tackles, but if they turn the ball over, get it to their really good offense, they'll win games. That's probably USF's path next year regardless who the head coach is. I don't think you're going to have to see a big jump defensively. Um, but with a really good offense, you can – tweak some stuff on defense and have a defense that performs okay that's still not great but is able to you're able to win with instead of where this year you just couldn't win with this defense so all right any more questions Vito anything else as we go out I think that's about it I think we covered everything and uh interested to see what uh what what Nate's take is as he as he uh spills some of the tea yeah, so um, we'll be back. I would imagine we'll be back again tomorrow night around 9 or ends up being around similar time. But I typically we're 9 o'clocker on um, – but, you know, it's a Sunday night. Maybe we'll do a little bit different. Uh, I, I'd say on the way out, this could be good. Don't get too freaked out. Uh, it could be quite bad, but it probably can't be worse than the last one. So there's Here's, that. He, as you mentioned – what three three wins and or four win three wins in three years so four wins in three years how many how many was it so at some point it's like how 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 much worse could it get but yeah, again I think when, it's you hear, a, yeah. when you hear other people also have him high as a rising star there is some positivity that and he was be. mentioned by he was mentioned at uh he was mentioned as a real candidate for cincinnati too so it's not like cincinnati um, you know, they're going to the big 12, pretty good program. 
Uh, they may end up going with Sean Lewis, who was also who was on my pay and pray section. So, yeah. So I, there there was some look. So I, I you know, what's your opinion of Cincinnati? So you know, we'll see. But we'll be back tomorrow for more. If you guys have questions, ask them to come back tomorrow. We'll answer them probably a little bit more in depth on the whole process. And uh, that's it for tonight. Thanks for jumping on with us real quick. We'll see you guys tomorrow.